Okay, so this episode I did uh, maybe about a week ago or a few days ago I did with uh, Zaria Bloom, who uh, has uh, done some work in the MMA industry as a ring girl and also at, uh, commentary work on a show called uh, Flex Fight Focus, I believe, out in New York, which is where uh, she, she lives. And uh, we talked about uh, some of her aspirations in MMA going forward, as well as uh, how martial arts has impacted her mental health and a program she's planning to do for people that maybe are, are alone on the holidays or people who maybe don't necessarily uh, feel good around the holidays, depending on their situation. Um, we also talked about uh, her outside-the-box uh, podcast platform that she's been working on, which you can see on uh, Instagram. And uh, I'll cover more of that in the closing of this episode where you can find her on Instagram and so forth. Um, but again, this is Zaria Bloom. Uh, check it out. How are you doing? All right, so let's just jump right into it here. So I got Zaria Bloom here, and we're going to kind of talk about her background and uh, when she kind of got into MMA. And so that's kind of what I wanted to know first was when you like first found the sport. Yeah, so I was always into it. I was about high school, so I started in 2007. So, um, you know, it hadn't been on tv for too long at that point um and then shortly after high school i started getting into some modeling work the modeling work i got uh the opportunity to work as a ring girl for a box it was actually bobby campbell's show uh jackhammer promotions so i went and worked with him and then from there i just met um you know other people that were in in the scene and you know other fight promoters started offering me work as a ring girl um so i started doing that and at the, that was about 2013 maybe even 2012. Um, i also did some work with a clothing company spit the truth Shout out to Timmy. He's super sweet. Um, I know he still sponsors a few shows and things like that. I think he works with, with uh, Jackhammer Promotions still. But yeah, so then I started working with an MMA organization that had just started out here. Um, and you know, at that time, everything was underground. So it was, um, it was exciting to be a part of. And that was when I first saw my first MMA fight. So that was um, out on Long Island. At I don't even remember was but I was the ring girl and a lot, a lot I fell in love I was like this is like no sporting event I've ever been to it's totally different from boxing and I just wanted to be involved in any way possible and let's talk about it a little bit because I never really talked to like someone who was working as a ring girl or whatever like did you like it doing it or um at the time it was cool uh it was whatever but <laughs> I wanted to take on a bigger role. So I actually started helping the, that MMA promotion with running the entire show, matching fighters, finding fighters. Um, I did a lot of that through the use of social media. Like at that time, nobody really cared about Instagram or anything like that. And I just kind of always viewed the Instagram platform as something that was really good for creatives to connect people. And then when I started working with the MMA scene, I was like, I mean, this is per like, I can, you know, find fighters this way as well, because I, I knew how to search hashtags and location and anything like that. So um, yeah, I just, 
I was still a ring girl at that time, but I was also doing a lot of behind the scenes work. Like I said, managing the fighters. I was also managing a gym and working in a gym out here on Long Island. So that was how I started training too. Um, and that was how I kind of started to see how everything worked. And it was, it was awesome. I mean, there's nothing like, you know, a, like a live fight. So it was just like, I loved being a part of it, but it definitely uh, was difficult because there it is very male dominated and um you know there was i felt pressures on me uh from certain individuals like you know to date them or something or i i would have the job if i dated them pretty much mm -hmm. now tell me about managing fighters like because it sounds like you you got into a lot pretty fast what mm -hmm. you know Ringo managing fighters working, you know, how did that all happen so fast like that? I mean, I wasn't necessarily managing the fighters. I was more like managing the communications with coaches, with fighters, with getting them set up for the show. Uh, you know, the ticket sales, things like that, just all the little behind the scenes things. And I also started um, hiring the ring girls. So since I was modeling, I had a lot of connections with, you know, I had a lot of friends in the modeling industry and I would bring them in to be ring girls for the promotions and stuff like that. So I was managing the ring girls more, but I was managing fighters and helping find um, matchups for them. And, you know, so tell me about that first promotion that, that you were talking about. What was it called again? Um, you know, I'd rather Jackhammer. Oh, Jackhammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so tell me, <laughs> tell me what that is, because I haven't heard of it. Oh, Jackhammer Promotions. They were just boxing. That's run by Bobby Campbell. So he's he was just a boxing promotion at the time. And now he does MMA events as well. And they actually have one coming up soon. I think a little bit after the Flex Fight Series, or uh, I think the Sunday after Flex, they have a fight. It's like somehow, somehow all the promotions in New York do their, do their promotions on the same weekend. It's kind of bad. <laughs> yeah, it seems. I think that happens a lot everywhere. Um, yeah. Do you think, like, I know you were doing some work with the promotion, but do you think, like, you're going to continue to do that or or take yeah. a break from it? or? No, I would love to. Like, I, I want to be, like, this is the industry that I'm the most passionate about, and this is mm -hmm. where I feel like I can really make a difference um you know it's just a matter of you know how it all plays out i guess at the end of the day and right now like i'm really focused on giving the females of this sharing my platform with the females of the sport i don't have the biggest platform but what i have grown i want to extend to the females of the sport because i know i've witnessed for a decade now like the challenges that come with being a female in the sport um even though i've never competed um or anything like that just from training and being in and i've been in and out of a lot of gyms and you know just seeing the dynamic and what goes on it's it's tough and all these women who go in there and do this and excel like it takes so much like i i, I think it takes more you have to have more of a passion and more of a love for it to really stick with it um because there wasn't really a space and women weren't really given a platform until not too long ago yeah, is commentary kind of what you're looking at, though? Is that what you would want to do? Uh, yeah, I would love to do commentary. Yeah. I would love interviews, um, you know, like uh, media interviews at, at the fights and things like that. Um, 
anything where I can kind of just like uh, talk to these fighters and help show their personalities and share some of their story is, is, is what I, what I really ultimately want to do. Now, are you kind of like a, have you been, uh, should I say like conversating with some of the other promotions outside of like New York, as far as maybe doing stuff with them or. I, I've been speaking with a few different people recently, um, not necessarily promotions, but different media companies, different agencies that represent, oh. uh, you know, media people and stuff like that and different, uh, media organizations that cover like UFC and stuff like that. So it's pretty exciting. I can't, I can't really say anything right now, mm -hmm. but um, it's, it's definitely uh, getting some attention because there's not really anyone highlighting the women of the sport, you know, and if they are, it's in a very sexualized way. Um, mm -hmm. So I really want to share these women's stories like that, like the, the hearing about what, these women and just fighters in general like men too like i would love to share their stories too but i feel like there's so much coverage on that mm -hmm. that women just deserve you know i'm a woman I, I can relate and and i know what it's like being a female in the industry it's it's very uh you know you're few and far between it's growing thankfully i think that a lot more young girls like ever since ronda and misha you know started in ufc and they were put on on that platform and young girls got to see them i think there's a lot more girls starting to get involved in the sport from a younger age but it's still very male dominated yeah i think even in boxing i mean you're having some women headline cards recently yeah serrano i mean yeah. good thing i could say about you know jake paul and, and those promotions you know they gave her a very big platform to box yeah, is that something you you kind of looked into too? Maybe like boxing. Um, I I like boxing. I I like combat sports, but my my passion is the MMA. You know, mm -hmm. I I really love the fact that you can use every limb <laughs> and go for submissions and chokes and things like that. Um, it just adds a different energy to the crowd, to the excitement. Um. I, I just love it. I love watching it. I love training it. So. Yeah, and I know like uh, you're kind of doing your own thing on here now with this outside the box. Maybe talk about how you, when was the first time you thought maybe I should do something like that? Do you remember? <sighs> I'm it was recent. It was really recent. Um, I just, I remember, I think it, it was a combination of things. It was a combination of, you know, me feeling like I want to use my voice more and I want people to not just look at me as like a pretty face um, and know that I understand what I'm talking about and I understand the ins and outs of the sport, not only from a fan perspective, but from actually inside the industry, whether that's on the promotion end of things or in the gym. And I had just a lot of experience um, as a woman that I don't think men would have encountered so when I see these women who are excelling and are so powerful and, um, you know, just brave and I, I, I admire them, they inspire me. Um, and I, I just want to help them in any way that I can. And I feel like I am a good, um, I'm a good vehicle to do that. I think because I'm not a fighter, 
I can kind of, I relate more to the average woman out there who maybe is intimidated to pick up a martial art or start striking or, or you know, do jujitsu or whatever it is. And I feel like if more people, I just feel like there's such a stigma on combat sports. And especially like with women, like I never even, you know, fought, but even just training and being involved in the industry, I had people around me constantly being like, what, what's with this fighting thing? Like, why do you want to do this? You know what I mean? Like, why are you involved in this? Like, what's this about? And like, I can't even imagine, like, if I said I was going to fight, I'm sure there would be tons of people that know me being like, don't do that. You don't want to do that. And like, every time I talk to these, these women, they tell me, yeah, that's what happened to me. Yeah. People didn't want me to do it. Yeah. Like, and it's just, it's just something that I think, you know, they deserve a lot of credit for what they're doing. And like I said, like, they just inspire me so much in my own life to be brave and to be a fighter and to keep going. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm thankful for them and any way I can help them. That's, that's just what I want to do. Now with the, with the show though, do you think you're going to gear it, continue to gear it more towards women primarily, or what do you think? For that series, yeah, absolutely. I want that to be a special place for the women. I would love to do like, you know, go to uh, bigger events and things like that and just interview like all the fighters that are there. And I I've also been thinking about doing like round tables, um, like going to different gyms in the area since I have relationships with a lot of them and kind of talking to the coaches and a few of the fighters all at once and just mm -hmm. like an open conversation like Hollywood Reporter does with the actresses or something like that. And that would be, you know, male and female. Yeah, that's maybe like on your own platform though, huh? Like bringing the outside the box yeah, to yeah, the yeah. event. I don't know if I would call it outside the box. Maybe it would be like a spinoff of it or, or something else. But mm -hmm. outside the box, I feel like is very, um, you know, it's live. So you're really get, I thought that that was important um, for it to be live so people could really get a sense of my personality, the guest's personality, like know that this isn't fake, know that it isn't staged, know that everything that's happening is organic. And um, I think that kind of resonates with people more and, and live things, you know, even though they say they're live, sometimes they're not, you know, they're all cut up. So you can't really fake this, but with the round table interviews, those would have a lot more editing and I would have like a camera guy there to film that. But now when did you take up training? You think, when was that? 2014, 2014, 2015. That was when I was working and managing um, a gym out here. And I started with kickboxing. I didn't do any jujitsu because I, so I, starting to train in martial arts and starting to train in combat sports helped me get through so much for like a magnitude of reasons. So when I started or when I, I remember there was a show in December, right? So there was an MMA show in December. We finished the show shortly after that show. Um, and I'd been training for a couple of months at that point. So this is December, 2014. Shortly after that show, I was, I like to party. I was a drinker and I um, got introduced to a cucumber martini mm -hmm. on the scene. So I had a bunch of cucumber martinis one night and I ended up dislocating my right knee. And 
and it, that was the worst. I broke my left wrist when I was a kid, but I'd never really had like a bad injury. And I had a lot of, uh, I had an eating disorder at the time. I was bulimic um, or I just like wouldn't eat at all. I had a lot of disordered eating patterns, even though I was so active. And when I dislocated my knee, I went into a complete panic because I was over-exercising as well. Um, every like bad thing that you can do as far as like, your health goes I was doing it um and then I dislocated my knee and I was like oh my god like I'm I can't work out anymore like how am I gonna like it, I, I went into a panic mode um and during that time uh I was in the gym just working behind the front desk and things like that and the owner there um was kind of helping me like slowly rehab the knee um, so I was just watching people training all day long. Um, and I really wanted to do jujitsu, but obviously at that point with the, with the injury, I couldn't. Um, so when that healed, I started training kickboxing um, first or Muay Thai. I, I have a bad habit of, I know they are two completely different sports, but I had um, someone I had dated would just call kickboxing Muay Thai. He was a Muay Thai fighter, but he would call kickboxing Muay Thai because nobody ever knew what the hell he was talking about. So I got in the habit of saying kickboxing, but yeah, I started training Muay Thai. Um, and then a little bit after that, I re-dislocated my knee. And so back to back, like literally, like it was within weeks of me healing the right knee, I dislocated it again because I slipped on ice. Um, walking up my driveway and I had to stop training. So I had just started and then I had to stop right away. And I was like, oh my God, this is like crazy. But when I started training, I got this like sense of just, I know it was like a feeling I'd never gotten from anything I'd ever done, weightlifting, running, Pilates, yoga, like I did everything. Um, and nothing gave me that same rush as like, you know, being able to release that energy through hitting something um and i just knew that like it was something that i needed to do and i needed to do more of for my mental health because it was something that really at a time when i was like really struggling in every way even just watching the sport and watching people train was helping me like put myself in a better mentality and i think you know i a lot of it for me was i was very weak-minded i didn't have a lot of discipline um, you know, there are a lot of reasons why people develop eating disorders, but like those were definitely two of mine. I didn't have any self-confidence and I had these like control issues. Right. Um, and then when I got introduced to martial arts and I saw like the, you know, the, the values and the things that it instills in people. And like, I watched these people that were just like me, you know, my age or maybe younger, and they were getting locked in a cage and getting possibly really terribly hurt. Um, it just inspired me to start respecting my body and treat my body right and and just you know love like love myself and have discipline like these people they really inspired me to have a lot of discipline um and just respect, which were two things I was seriously lacking. Why do you think at that time you were having those issues? Um, I think it came from a lot of things. I think it came from just, I think, media society at the time. There was just constantly Victoria's Secret catalogs at your front doorstep. You're looking at these tall, thin, skinny, perfect women, um, you know, as what is beautiful 
very impressionable young girls. Then it was also rough upbringing. My parents got divorced. Um, me and my sister really didn't have a positive relationship. And she was always calling me names and making me feel insecure about my weight. Me and her have a very good relationship now that is all in the past. I love my sister to death. But growing up, the, the divorce definitely took a toll on us. And my parents fighting turned into, you know, her attacking me. So I always grew up feeling like I was bigger um, and that I had, you know, weight issues. And I was in dance class at the time and I was always bigger than the other girls in the dance class. Um, so that, again, made me feel low, made me feel bad about myself. I even had a dance teacher say to my mom, like when I wanted to do the competition team, um, he pretty much told my mom, like, look at the other girls in the class. And then, you know, look, she's, she's bigger. Like she needs to like lose weight. Um, so I was 10 years old when I heard that. Yeah. So it, it was just, it was a culmination of things for sure. And then like, well, I know, like I heard you talking about the holidays, you know, recently on your, <clears throat> so maybe talk about that a little bit. Cause I've been like, you know, I was in the military overseas without my family. I know a lot of us feel that way at the time. Um, maybe elaborate on a little bit what you were talking about. Yeah, so the holidays were always a difficult time for me for, again, a lot of reasons. One, because, I mean, I remember being on a diet when I was 10 years old, 8 years old, like thinking like, oh, I have to lose weight. Like no 8-year-old should even be aware of of that type of a thing, you know what I mean? Let alone be going, attempting diets. Um, so whenever the holidays would come around, obviously I, I would beat myself up because you know, I'd want to I'd eat cookies and things like that and it would derail me. So it was always a time of year where like I wanted to enjoy it, but I felt like I had to punish myself if I did enjoy it. Um, and also, like I said, with the, with the family, with my family getting a divorce, my mom and dad getting divorced, um, that, you know, now it was this whole new dynamic. Am I going to be with my mom? Am I going to be with my dad? Oh, I'm going to miss my dad. I'm not going to see, you know, so that made it really hard. That was adjustment. And then I think I just always uh, had a way of like, you know, the media had a very big impact on my perception of things. So mm -hmm. like, start seeing the when you're a kid, you start seeing the commercials come out. It's family, it's the holidays, they start putting out stuff that's like you know you have to be it's the happiest time in a year like it'd be great everything's gonna be great and then you know reality doesn't really work like that and you know things aren't really like it's in the movies or on tv and things like that so every time the holidays would come around i get always disappointed and let down because you know whatever it whatever the case may be um you know whether it was i wasn't able, i was you know my mom with was start started dating my stepdad so then he was in the picture there was just a lot of things every year that you know was mm. growing up i think it's it's hard to adapt to those things and it's hard to when you feel like you know it's the holidays we should all be happy and grateful and you're not feeling that way because you know you're upset about you know whatever and and now it's it's just continued like my i lost my father so he's not around anymore um, and I miss him. He was my best friend. I, I could, you know, talk to him about anything. And 
I knew I was always going to get like the 100% truth. He was a straight shooter. He was a no bullshit kind of guy. And just not having that energy around me, that, that trust, trust relationship with someone is, is really difficult for me. So I miss him a lot around the holidays. I miss him a lot all the time, but it's just a reminder. And the relationship, the dynamic that I've had with his side of the family has changed since he passed. So that's also another thing that was very tolling. I think there's, it's just a lot of stuff. But I think it's important to talk about this because I think a lot of people feel that pressure in a lot of different ways. Like you said, you were overseas and, you know, um, I, I think it's something that uh, you gotta feel okay if you're not, if you don't feel okay during during that time of year and kind of just take it very slowly and and not like put pressure on yourself to operate a certain way because that's what you're supposed to be doing according to you know society when did you lose your dad in 2015 yeah i lost mine in 2018 oh i'm sorry yeah you know and everything you're saying like my dad was uh my dad was a good person you know he was a very generous person. He always gave more to people than he ever got, you know, and uh, it, it wasn't expected. I don't Me know if you were expecting. Yeah, no. but, you know, yep. and <clears throat> the police came to my house in the middle of the night, like, because my mom had been trying to call me, but I was asleep, mm -hmm. you know, like midnight. She was running around in the neighborhood, I guess, where, mm -hmm. where they live. And they had to wake me up and tell me that he had passed away, you know. So yeah, I, I, I quit my job like a couple months after that, you know, I couldn't handle it. You know? he, he was, that's a similar thing. Like I didn't know he was sick. He, um, he had yep. cancer back when I was in high school and then, it, you know, it, he went to Sloan and he came out and he was okay. And him having cancer actually really changed my relationship with him for the better. Like my dad was a very, um, like I said, he was a no bullshit. He couldn't stand anything that was even like remotely a little bit of bullshit. Like he could not like handle it, you know? So he was, he had kind of a, a harsh side to him. And for me growing up, I was a very sensitive kid. So I couldn't really, you know, take that in. And it, my relationship with him struggled. But once he had gotten sick the first time after he came out, he changed a lot. He softened up a lot. And that really like, I was always close. I remember I went to his house one day and his face was super swollen and I was like and this is at the same time that my knee like my leg was dislocated at this time so when he passed like I went there on crutches and like I hadn't seen him in a little while because I I had I'm losing you a little bit. Oh, almost. I I think your maybe your connection's gone bad or something. You got me. Okay, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. So I'm seeing him, and his face was all swollen, and I was like, "All right, something's going on. Like something is not good." So I kind of knew, um, but then shortly after that, he passed away in um, March eighth, two thousand fifteen, and that was all the night. It was like eleven thirty at night. Mm -hmm. 
And my, my mom was like, look, Bill, Bill's my stepdad. Bill's coming to pick you up. You have to go to the hospital. Like your, your, your father's not doing well. And I was just like, oh my God. And I'm like on my crutches, like, and then that was, you know, that's not, wasn't a fun night. No, I mean, my dad wasn't even in the hospital, you know, he's just sitting in his chair, you know, it's just. Well, like, that, no, he had passed already. Yeah. He, he passed away in his yeah. apartment. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I couldn't believe it, you know? Yeah. It is. It's real difficult. To... It's... And so you feel like during the holidays now, you're still not, still don't enjoy it, maybe. Um, not that I don't enjoy it. I am starting to like, I have a very good handle on myself now. So I am able to manage it. But I definitely have battle those feelings of sadness of, you know, not only him not being around, but you know, my grandparents who my mom's mom made the holidays special, she's not around anymore. Now it's kind of like everything's on me to do. Like mm -hmm. I have to is special i have to do everything even my mom my mom's a lot older my mom is in her 70s yeah. she didn't until she was 39 so for the past few years like everything's been on me um to kind of make happen and it's yeah. uh i enjoy it because i like cooking and i like doing stuff like that but the whole time of year is just like i'd rather it be another time of year to be completely honest with you <laughs> Just yeah, it's 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 tough. I mean, I take care of my mom too. You know, my mom's probably about almost eighty. I think she's seventy nine. Um, yeah, so a lot of the stuff that my dad did, which he did everything, um, yeah, I've had to take on. But it's all right. Yeah, it's not like I don't begrudge it. I'm happy to do it, but I just think that uh, just because it was always such a hard period for me growing up, it's just like a what is it? It's like a like a shadow, like an overcast. I don't know. That's just always on, you know, like even if I don't want to feel bad because there were so many years where I did, it just kind of like happens that way. So I have to really be mindful of it now. And that's why I'm doing this like kind of, I don't want to call it a challenge, but that's why I'm kind of like sharing this with my platform and telling them like, hey guys, like, you know, this is the holidays. Like I know there's all this pressure to like be happy and feel good, but that's not, you don't, you're not, you're fine if you don't feel that way. It doesn't make you like abnormal if you're not happy during this time of year. I think more often than not, people aren't really happy this time of year. And maybe talk more about what, what you're doing with that. Yeah. I think what you were going to do was share workouts and stuff and yeah. some other things. So I recently, um, I recently like redid, I was, I was good training for a competition that I'm not going to end up doing just because, um, a lot of different reasons, but mostly uh, financial reasons. The, the competition was extremely expensive and I just felt like I needed more time to prepare for it. If I was going to spend that much money, I wanted to really do well. And I just felt like I didn't have enough time to prepare. Um, so I want to finish what I started because I started back in, in July. And even though I'm not working with the coach I worked with, you know, I am a coach, I am a trainer, I know how to train and I know how to coach people. Um, so I'm kind of just extending the, the ending portion of this program I was doing, um, my own version of it to any of my uh, subscribers. So I'm sharing literally my exact workout plan for the whole month of November and letting people, you know, screenshot it 
and save it and then just kind of do it as they please. You don't have to do every single day. If you want to just pick one day that you want to go through and, and challenge yourself, it's, uh, it's something that people can do to just keep their bodies moving um, because that's what's going to make you feel good. Getting those endorphins from working out, even if it's just a little tiny bit, um, it's something that keeps me grounded and keeps me my head in a good place just to get that endorphin release. So I'm sharing those. I'm also going to be sharing like just little tips and tricks to get through the holidays and not beat yourself up, you know, still enjoy your alcohol, but maybe drink vodka and white wine over red wine and mm -hmm. eggnog spiked with bourbon, you know, like just little things that could help people make little changes. So they don't feel like this time of year is totally like throwing them off the wagon. Hmm. Now, do you, because we've talked about stuff kind of more like personal. Do you do you do that with them also or no? With with who? With people that you know subscribe to you or whatever the case may be. The people that are, you're sharing that with. Do I do what with them? You know, like encouragement maybe, or you know, talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I usually leave those public. Um, and then just more of like the training because I, I am certified. I'm a certified personal trainer. For, I'm a certified nutrition coach. Um, so anything that I was sharing a lot online, but, you know, to be able to create as much con to create, create more content, uh, you know, it takes a lot of time. It takes people think, you know, you see like a five second video and people think like, oh, it must be easy. But like that five second video took me like three to five hours. <laughs> <laughs> so to be able to keep producing content anyone who subscribes to me that is helping support me produce more content that could be helpful to everyone. Now, uh, before I let you go, cause I know you only got a little time left, maybe talk about, uh, maybe something we haven't talked about or something you'd like to leave the interview on. Something's important to you. Hmm. I mean, we can talk about fights that happened recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then we probably wouldn't have time. We only have like a few minutes, but. Yeah, I could always do sure. that. But. More minutes. I got like 15 more minutes. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, pick a fight. Pick a fight. Well, since you made this video of it and I did watch it, I had a, a bunch of people message me about it. Asked <laughs> what I thought, you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally... I have to admit, I was filming content while I had the fights on. <laughs> yeah. I paid attention to the fights that I really wanted to see, like the, the main event and the co-main event. Um, O'Malley, I'm not a crazy big fan of just because he doesn't really impress me when he fights, like for no other reason than simply that. Like mm -hmm. I've never had a performance where I was just like, wow that was like you know what i mean like it was kind of mm -hmm. like you know he fought guys that were you know whatever he was better than obviously you know he got but he never really did anything like so i wasn't too and peter yawn um i just thought he was gonna take the fight like i was like oh, mm -hmm. you know peter yawn's gonna win this fight and every time i looked up i saw o'malley hit him i think in the first or the second rounds he mm -hmm. hit him real big shot that like knocked him down he got up right away but from every time I glanced over it was Jan on top of him Jan mm. having the better of the exchanges Jan dominating the fight 
um, that was really the only thing I saw from O'Malley. I just saw O'Malley kind of defending the whole time. And then I saw all these videos um, of, you know, O'Malley holding the cage and grabbing his glove and all this kind of And I was actually shocked at the end of the fight with how O'Malley reacted um, because mm -hmm. he was hockey and he was just like, you know, I don't really know if I won that fight. Like I have to watch the tape over. And then he watched it. And then now he's like, I definitely won that fight. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, what are you doing, man? Like, you were cool there for a second. I, like, that made me give him some respect. Like, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, he's showing, like, you know, he's humble. And but now he's just talking all kinds of shit. So I don't know. What, what do you Yeah, think? for me, it was, you know, the, the heavy strikes were relatively even. But the wrestling was, you know, huge. So if you have one part that was even and one part that was a heavily in Jan's favor how does the person who you know how does this person win that's the way I looked at it you know one part was close the other part wasn't so this guy should win and I always say people say well it wasn't a robbery a robbery is when the wrong guy wins you know especially if it's business that's the best time to do it is when a fight is close because then you can make excuses oh it was razor closed and the fans will make excuses that's the best time to rip somebody off Mm -hmm. When it's not a when it's not a close fight is the worst time to do it because everyone knows you did it. You know what I mean, dude? Exactly, and that's why it's like I think hopefully this will open the. I think fighters know this already. You know, don't leave it to the judges, mm -hmm. um, especially if you're fighting a favorite. Yeah, and whether he's a favorite to the UFC or whether he's just a, whatever, if you're fighting a favorite, like don't leave it to the judges because that's unfortunately what's going to happen. And I, you know, I think Peter Jan has every right to feel upset, but I think yeah. he's been in the game long enough where he knows. One of those judges had only been a judge for like two years, you know, and we talked about that on the conspiracy hour show that I do. Those guys are both promoters, Miguel and Mike, you know, Mike's promoted like 200 shows. Miguel's match made probably over a hundred shows in his life. And, you know, one, he said to get a gig like that when you've only been judging for two years is unheard of. You know, that's stuff everyone wants because you get more per diem, you get paid extra because you're going further away from home. That's like a coveted gig. Well, listen, know? I'm not going to put people on blast, but I'm about to yeah. put people on blast. Like the ISKA, they've had judges at some of these fights. And like I said, I've been in, I'm not just talking, this is the ISK I'm talking about. I'm not talking about any specific promotion. They hired a judge that doesn't even watch combat sports. Like, mm -hmm. doesn't. And I'm like, how is this person, how are they, you know, like, it's not just like, oh, I need a job. So like, let's hire this. Like, you know what I mean? We'll teach them as they go. But like, you're screwing with people's. everything you're screwing with right. the fighter yeah Insane. and you know when people say it's not a robbery well that's easy for you to say it didn't happen to you you know what i mean you weren't the one out there who got ripped off you know those guys yeah. have to deal with it you know that's a big deal for them to lose a fight yeah because yeah. it's look I, mo I nobody wants to put themselves out there right most people hide behind a keyboard with no profile picture, with a private account, running around saying whatever the hell they want, right? 
like don't want to put themselves you know don't want to public public speaking is like one of the most like feared like biggest people have you know things like that to for anyone who is going to go into i know that fighters don't whenever i speak to them about this it's like they don't really think about it this way because they're so focused on the fight but if you're going to put yourself out there and to get beat up in front of people like that's a different level of courage you know what i mean like it's like like knowing that that's a possibility and still doing it so i feel like these people need to have the utmost respect from every angle because like who wants to do that you know like that's it's just something that i think that you know should be handled more delicately because what what these people are doing is is pretty um you know just inspiring and unique and brave and just exudes so much that you don't really get to see in life in general and then you know you see two people fighting and it's like um you know it's art and violence and it's beautiful yeah and i know we got don't we got uh what's the fights coming up i know we got we have the big card in new york that I am desperately trying to go to. Who do you think is going to win, Adesanya or Pereira? Oh, I think Pereira's going to win. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I do. And it's not because I, 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 I don't look at fights as whether I dislike somebody or not. It's just he's so big. Correct. And he, he beat him twice before, but he's big. <laughs> you know, when you look at him, Dude, he's huge. He is you know? a monster. And he's been posting training yeah. videos that I'm just like, but also I've known about him for a long time. He was a glory kickboxer for a long time. I'm yeah. familiar with all the glory fighters. And I mean, here, I like, unless Izzy's ground game got like crazy good overnight and he's going to whip out some crazy submission. Like I, I don't see, I see him just dominating the striking. Yeah. It's going to be a standing fight. What they do is what they're going to do. You yeah. know what I mean? And I just think he's too big. And, you know, that's probably why he beat him the other two times. You know, he's bigger. Yeah. And uh, and he's just as skilled. Yeah. If not, I mean, he, you know, is he, who is he fighting where he was kind of like dancing around, playing the outside of the ring? I can't remember what fight that was of his. So we had the Strickland fight where Strickland was kind of coming forward. He had a fight. His first fight was a little bit kind of rocky for a little bit where he got taken down. But that guy was a, a grappler, a guy from Greece that he fought. But, uh, yeah, I just think his size is going to be a problem. Yeah. I, I, and I like Izzy. Like, Izzy is one of my – I know people, like, give Izzy shit or they're like, oh, like, you know, whatever. But, like, I I actually really like him. I think he has a great personality. I think he's, like, a, a, a great champion. I love that he danced. Like, I love that he adds an element of entertainment that isn't drama. Mm -hmm. I know people feel mixed about that. Like, oh, don't be dancing. Like, this is fighting. But, like, no, like, that's, like, part of who he is. Like, you know, do that. That's freaking awesome like and i thought his dance was like really really cool so i really like him and i would like to see him win but like you said like i i don't pick favorites i just skill for skill i i think that you know Pereira just has the size and the the stand-up advantage 
Yeah, it's a it's a size and reach advantage for a reason. That's another reason why I think people should give Jan more credit. The big striking was even, and Jan is like my height. You know what I mean? So if anything, I, people should give Jan more credit that the, you know, because he had to get inside. You know what I mean? I feel bad. I feel bad. You know, I feel bad, but it's a it's a it's a very unforgiving sport. Yeah. It's yeah, it's tough because he he's he has to get close. He has to do the work, you know. He he doesn't have the long reach, so yeah, it's that's another reason why I felt that fight. People should look at it and say his degree of difficulty was harder. What he was doing, yeah, but you, up and the takedowns. You know, when people like a fighter, they will mm. defend them to the death. Yeah. Like, to the death. It doesn't even matter if they just lost. It was like, oh, well, you know, every excuse in the book will start coming out. <laughs> Ross will <laughs> out of retirement to fight Alex. I don't think <laughs> so it'd be I good for him. Yeah. We met Luke Rockhold when I was hosting in Manhattan at the Ainsworth. I met him. Right after his loss. What was his bad loss? He's had a few of them. The one, oh, the one against Weidman. Yeah. It was the one against Wyman. It was right after that. He was a... Uh, he's a giant dude. He's a giant dude, Rockhold. But yeah, I actually met him at the Ainsworth. I used to wear this, this place in Manhattan that is like... Uh, they play a lot of sports events. I actually... Fun story. I actually hosted Valentina Shevchenko and her coach Pavel there. Um, and this was before she was in the UFC. <laughs> This was when Connor was about to fight Aldo for the first time in New York back in 2016. So, you know, all the whole fight community was in New York at that time. There was like tons of seminars going on and different things like that. So the Gracie Academy was have, holding a seminar and Valentina was one of the fighters that was in um, for the seminar. They also had like, a, you know, the ring girls, Arany, Celeste, then the other one, uh, Arany Celeste. I don't even, is that her name? Ariane. <laughs> Ariane Celeste and the other one, Brittany Palmer, they were there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Valentina was there and her coach, Pavel. And um, I was working at the desk, the front desk of the Gracie Academy for the event, just like checking in everyone who had signed up and type of thing. And then the guy that had put the event together was like, oh, Alex, I know you work uh, in hospitality. Like they, they, you know, Valentina can't get a ticket. Her and her coach can't get a ticket to go to the UFC tonight. So would you have any, how crazy is that? How crazy is that? Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. That's a true story. Yeah. So <laughs> and this was before she was fighting in the UFC. Like she mm. was on our radar, obviously. She's the freaking best in the world, but she wasn't like in, in the UFC yet. And I was like, yeah, we can go to the Ainsworth. It's right in Midtown. It's like a few blocks over from the Gracie Academy is on 31st and 7th, between between 7th and 6th. Ainsworth is like a little bit more um, downtown between like 7th and 6th or, or 6th and 7th or 5th and 6th. But um, we went there and she impressed me so much. That was another, that she, she was so just lovely in every way. And I didn't know, I'd never seen her fight. I had no, like, I had no mm. idea. I was just like, 
so impressed by how she carried herself, how she spoke, her demeanor. Like, even though she didn't have a fight coming up, like, well, remember, we ordered all this food for the table, you know, like burgers and fries and all this stuff. She wouldn't touch any of it. And I was like, oh, do you have like a fight coming up? And she's like, no, I just I don't put that in my body. Like, that's not like she really is about that life. Like, mm -hmm. she does everything she needs to do to be the best. And she is. And I remember leaving that table, leaving meeting her that night. And I was like, yo, that girl is going to she's 100% going to be the champion just because I know in fighting, like, if you're not doing the right thing, that shit shows in the cage. Like, if you're fucking off, if you're having an alcohol here and there, if you're, like, it, it's the better man always wins. Mm -hmm. And been champion, I'm like, dude, bow down because I know firsthand. She wasn't even in the UFC. They wouldn't even give her a ticket to go to the show. And she was just so committed because that's who she is through and through. So she was a very big, she had a very big impact on, on, on me and just really yeah. be better. Just yeah. Better. She's, she can like uh showboat saying his daughter's a champion wrestler here in Oklahoma showboat. Oh. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, she speaks all these languages. She's a pilot. She shoots guns, <laughs> you know, it's like, like she's KGB or something, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what? She might be like a secret agent. Like, she, I don't think she's a secret agent. You think she is? He froze there for a second. No. Person. Get it? Oh, uh, what's happening? You're kind of better now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was saying like kind of like a James Bond type of person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she. Um, yeah, she made a very big impression on me. And it's it's funny too because, not that it's funny, but it's just you know how life plays out. Shortly that night that I met her. Um, you know, she just watched the fights and then she went, I went out to another nightclub. Uh, I was doing a lot of like, night, uh, you know, hospitality work at the time. So uh, one of my friends was promoting at another club in the city called Gilded Lily. You know, they had all the UFC after parties after the fights or whatever. It was like huge. Um, so I was like, no, I'm not going to go to Gilded Lily. I'm going to go to Lavo, even though um, Weidman and Wonderboy both lost. So that was their after party spot. So neither of them showed up there in the hospital, you know, but <laughs> I went to Lavo just because I like that nightclub better. Anyway, lo and behold, that weekend, something really tragic happened and a friend of mine got killed. Um, and it really, it made me step away from the nightlife industry. It made me step away from everything. But like the timing of like meeting her and then that happening, like, further pushed me closer to wanting to really involve myself in martial arts. Like, because I felt like it was a, a sign for lack of a better way to put it. Like, cause I was always like trying like to be involved in the martial arts scene, but I was very intimidated. And since it was such a small scene um, and I made the mistake of dating someone who was in it early on, 
I felt like I was, you know, I couldn't just be part of it because every person and like, I felt like it was preventing me, but maybe it was myself holding my own self back. Who knows? But, um, that's the other thing too. It was like, it wasn't till I felt like the only way I could kind of be involved in the sport was if I was like dating someone who did the sport or because I was older when I started, it wasn't like I was a little girl who got put in and then you grow up doing the sport and you're kind of like, you know, you've been in it. Like when you're older and you start doing it, especially if you're in any way attractive or if you're just a female at all, you're going to be targeted mm-hmm. and people are going to know who you are right away. Oh, look at this girl who's training. Oh, look at this. Oh, look who she dated. Oh, look at this. Like, you know, so it took a while for me to find my place. Um, And for a while, you know, the only way I was allowed, was able to train was when I was like, kind of like dating someone who was a fighter or was training. Now I strictly do not date fighters at all whatsoever. I don't date anyone in the industry because I just don't think it's good as a woman. I think it's just too, you know, you like there are people, you know, there you see a lot of these women who are in the UFC now that they're husbands or their coaches and stuff like that it's like a common thing yeah Yeah, i mean it's you would know better than me like me i don't really (laughs) you know because i mean i trained for a long time but i never really because you know the politics of all that kind of stuff yeah yeah so it could get it could get a little you know that was another thing that was hard um you know there's also not a lot of female coaches really not like I'm trying to find female coaches like to interview I know that you know this one woman who is phenomenal she's Brazil she's from Brazil her and her husband Soka I don't know if you're familiar with them they have a few mm-hmm. schools Soka Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu yeah yeah, yeah my so friend I- Barrett uh competed against him in Abu Dhabi uh 2000 uh, might have been 2000 or 2001 yeah yeah, there I that was where I started going um, when I first started training jujitsu because I knew that they were like the most authentic, legitimate Brazilian jujitsu school in my area that I could go to. And Samantha Soka, she is she's wonderful. Um, and and Vadi, who is her uh, assistant, you know, uh, another black belt there who helps with the women's classes. They do women's classes there, which is great. So I know her, and then my old boxing coach Sarah Thomas. Um, and then there's Jenny Nadell at, at Law MMA. But outside mm. of them, like, I, I can't think of any other female coaches. Oh, there's one maybe you'd like. I don't, <clears throat> I like watching them because, uh, man, I'm trying to remember her name. I got to look her up on here before. She beat uh, the really big Brazilian girl, the big, huge, muscular one, Gabby Garcia. She beat Gabby Garcia a couple of years ago and her and her husband they they'll like break out the bible in the gym you know and they'll kind of like give their interpretation of like he'll she'll she'll speak in portuguese and he'll talk in english or he'll speak in portuguese and she'll talk in english and they're both black belts you know and they're they're kind of given their it, it's interesting to watch i think because it's not like it's not like going into church where they're doing like sermons or what. They're just kind of, okay, this is what here. And, you know, they're kind of talking about what they think about this, that, and the other. No, it wasn't Dern. I, I'll, I'll have to show you what it was. He's saying Dern, but no, it's not McKenzie. But uh, you guys know each other. You and Showboat know each other in, in real life. Yeah, world. I sponsor his daughter. His daughter's a champion wrestler here in my area. Sure. Yeah, and uh, she wins everything pretty much. 
Um, oh, I would, love she, talk, I would love to talk with her. <laughs> she's, uh, how old is she? So about 16, 17. She hurt her knee, her, you know, like real bad. Um, so she's out right now again. But she is when all the, all the different, like freestyle, Greco, all of her, you know, she wins all the tournaments. That's so awesome. And more powers to her because you know there's not a lot of, of girls wrestling. Yeah, she's 16, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I've been sponsoring her for two years. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I sponsor a few people, you know, but she was one of them. And then, uh, yeah, so I do some other stuff with other people. Maybe you should do that, <laughs> you know, like, or help, yeah, find someone that you like to. Well, you know what? I have to start making funny money first because I'm going to be for real <laughs> now. Like, there is not a lot of money. People see followers on social media and think, like, oh, this person's making all this money. Like, no. Unless you have a million followers, it's really hard to make money on social media. Uh, plus, you live in New York. It's expensive. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to bust open my piggy bank right now because times are tough. Yeah. So I would love to. I would love to. That's why I'm actually going to start working in the city again. Um, I sent my resume out this week. So I'm going to be, I need to network more, you know, meet more people. It's very limited out here on Long Island. So I want to get involved with more stuff uh, and events and, and fights in the city. There's this guy I'm going to tell you about. I'll put, I'll hook you up to him. But he was, he used to do, he, I think he runs a restaurant out in your area somewhere. Oh. And his name's Patrick Freitas. And he used to help promote a show called Icon Sport on Oahu when I lived there. Okay. But a lot of people don't know who he is now, you know, because he got out of the industry. Yeah. He's an interesting guy, you know, and I think he like runs one of these, I forgot which restaurant it is out there, but yeah, he got into the restaurant industry of all things. And he moved to New York. <clears throat> They're both high paced and crazy. <laughs> so it makes sense. I mean, they go hand yeah. in right? Yeah. But he used to like be, you know, he was heavily involved, but he was kind of a guy behind a promoter. Okay. So a lot of people don't know who he is. But, yeah, he was very instrumental in the Hawaii scene when I was there. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I would love to connect with him. Yeah. But, you know, it was great talking to you. Is there, like, anything you want to close on? I know. I don't know how much time we have, but. Anything we, I want to close on? No, just, you know, I just want to let everyone know that, you know, we're in the last two months of the year and just, you know, keep, uh, don't let the, the pressures around you get to you. If you're not happy this time of year, that's okay. And find something that makes you forget about your struggles, whether, you know, for me, that is, uh, you know, training martial arts and, and doing fitness. You know, it took me a long time to find those things and to really appreciate, um, you know, my body and different things like that. But just find something that you can immerse yourself in that makes you feel good and builds your confidence and makes you feel strong and empowered because that's the thing that you can lean on when you're feeling low, when you're feeling, you know, not strong. Um, I was going to post a video yesterday. Actually, I was on my way to jujitsu. I'm actually training. Shout out to Sensei James. He's going to kill me if I don't say his last name right. James Leonelli. He is the owner of Tiger Showman's in Smithtown. He's also one of the commentators on Flex Fights. Um, him and his wife are just the most wonderful people. Um, 
I, I really am so happy that I connected with them. And I've been going there and training jujitsu there. And there's um, these 15-year-old girls in the class that I train with. And they're so sweet. And I love training with them because it's so nice to see this younger generation of girls, you know, involved. Um, and I, I really had a bad day yesterday. And I was really, really upset yesterday. Something had happened that just really... I've just been going through a rough time, you know? So um, I have a tendency to kind of want to self-destruct that if one bad thing happens, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to mm. do that I love. I push things away from me. So this is a reminder to people, like, don't do that. Don't do that. If if you start off and something, you know, ruins your mood, ruins your mood at the beginning of the day or you get put in a funk, don't push away the things you love just because you're feeling in a funk. Like I had to force myself to get in my car and drive to jujitsu at 7.30 last night. And I felt depressed as all hell. And I didn't want to fucking do it. But the second I got there, I was like, oh, thank God I did this. You know, so I know there's like a lot of debate where it's like, don't do anything you don't want to do. No, sometimes you have to push yourself. Because sometimes we have bad tendencies that can ruin things that, are going to help us and make us feel good. And, you know, if you have a lot of self-loathing or uh, insecurity or things like that, I think it's very easy to, when one thing goes wrong, then you can kind of just get down on yourself about anything and push everything away that you love. But you have to, if there's something that you have that you love, even if you don't feel like in that moment doing it, go do it. It's going to keep you going and it's going to keep you from spiraling downward. So I think that's my ending message. Just... Don't push away things you love because one bad thing happened. Just, you know, keep going. And it's okay to feel, you know, depressed. Or like Jake from The Fighting Now says, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. I mean, I think when you get older, I think it's easier. <laughs> like now, when I was younger, I like, if somebody had criticized me about something, it probably wouldn't have made me happy. But now it's like, I don't care about any of that stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's, I don't get, I'm not offended. I, you will have to kill me when I hurt my feelings. Like words don't hurt mm -hmm. more when I feel like someone breaks my trust or disrespect. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I can't deal with it at this day. I'm 33. Like, I'm like, yo, if you're going to be disrespectful, if you're going to break my trust, like, goodbye. Like, I'm done. But it still bothers me when it happens because I feel like at this stage I should know better and know how to read people better. So I get frustrated with myself at the same time. Yeah, Japan is really strict like that. Like, uh, I'll tell you something. Uh, I was out. I used to wrestle there. <clears throat> and the coach one day, he coached up Navy guys. You know, it was mostly Navy guys and then two Japanese coaches. And the coach said... Uh, we're going to go to combat wrestling, combat wrestling, like this wrestling tournament where the guys would wear shoes, but there's submissions also. A lot of guys would get leg locked and heel hooked. And anyway, so we're going to go. Who wants to go? And there was about maybe 10, 15 guys that raised their hand. He said, all right, you need to meet me at this train station tomorrow. I think it was at 830 or something. That day showed up. I was the only guy there, you know, and, and he said, uh, how did you know to be here, you know? And uh, he said, Americans, they don't care about any of this kind of stuff. Like, they'll say they're going to go somewhere, and they could—they don't care if they don't go. It's no big deal to them. They could care less. If you come here, 
and you tell someone you're going to be somewhere and you don't show up, they're going to tell everyone they don't like you. They won't tell you. <laughs> They'll just tell everyone else they don't like you anymore. You know, it's like you don't do that stuff here. You know, there is a lot that <clears throat> my um, before we go, I'm sorry. I'm one, one, there's a lot to be said for you speak a lot about, about Japan. And it's so I really, really yeah. believe that they're my twin cousins. Um, they are from San Francisco, but they actually got they started teaching themselves when they were young to speak Japanese because they got mm -hmm. back. Okay. And now that's what they do. They're Japanese interpreters. They worked for uh, Marie Kondo, the tidying up lady. Uh, mm -hmm. They train in the, one of them is working in Washington right now. And they've spent so much time in Japan and they absolutely adore it over there. And you telling me these types of things mm -hmm. makes me realize why. Because they're mm -hmm. very straight shooters, like about respect and different things like that. So it's, uh, I would love to go. Yeah, they have a lot of interesting quirks. Like one of the things, like if you ask somebody, how are you doing? They expect you to stand there and listen to how you're doing, you know? And if you ask them a week later, they're going to be like, I just told you how I was last week. Why are you asking me now? Because they expect you to listen to their life story when you say, how are you doing? You know? Well, I mean, I feel like <laughs> how are you doing is so nobody cares. People yeah. just say it because it's proper to yeah. say it. Like nobody actually cares. Like I hate to say that, but like, yeah, it's so like and like and it's not that nobody cares. I think people do care about how you're doing, but you're always gonna get the same bullshit response. Good, yeah, great, fine, amazing. You know, it's like just filler. Yeah, J Japan, they don't do that. Oh. So if you ask them, like if you say that every day to them, they're gonna be like, "What's wrong with you? I told you yesterday how I was doing." That's gotta be so relieving. <laughs> <laughs> they have a lot of funny things like that over there. Oh, uh, Todd, maybe we'll get to go one day. Maybe we'll get. Yeah, to I want to go back next year. Actually, there'll be a super fight we could go to. I'm gonna try to go. Thank you. All thank right, you. Emma, it was great talking to you. Anytime was... you want to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe we could do something. We'll see what's going on. Maybe we can, uh, you know, talk before the fights. Uh, mm -hmm. On team. For sure. That would be fun. And if I. Thing exciting coming up or any news I'll, I'll, you will be the first person I share it with I would love I love talking to you you have so yeah. much you're just such I a, appreciate it a calm nice energy <laughs> I, I try to I appreciate it so much thank you so much Todd yeah, it was great talking to you take care take care have a good night bye guys you thank too. you Right, so if you want to follow Zaria, you can follow her at uh, Zaria Bloom on Instagram, which is X A R I A Bloom B L O O M Zaria Bloom. And as always, you can follow me on Instagram at the underscore Todd underscore Atkins underscore Show. And uh, please uh, follow me and uh, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is a uh, uh, Todd Atkins Show. And uh, as always, thank you for the support and uh, be on the lookout for more episodes.